Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Our guest this week is jumping on the latest fast food trend the traditional Hawaiian dish, which I didn't know it was Hawaiian, called Poke Bowl. In 2017, Jem Jacinto opened the first poke store to hit Byron Bay, and he called it Fin Poke. Since then, he's opened three more stores along the East Coast, with another two on the way. Now, a lot of poke joints are cropping up in the cities like Sydney, Melbourne, and the Gold Coast, and I want to ask Jem, what, mate, is your point of difference in this growing market? How he manages to keep his product both sustainable and affordable? How does he pitch his pricing? What was the turning point in his life that made him decide, by the way, to get into this business of poke bowls? And we'll find out it turned from being a scrap metal guy in the Philippines to going into the hospitality industry. So let's get into it. Jem Jacinto, if I got that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you very much. So I mean, Happy got, to be here. Very happy to be here. Really a mixed accent going on here and uh, a whole lot of different looks. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Uh, so what's your background, mate? Well, um, uh, heritage-wise, I'm Filipino. Mum uh, and dad Filipino. Uh, my, my dad's Filipino. My yeah. mom's uh, French heritage, but uh, raised in the Philippines. And her family, her French background has been from China to the Philippines. Uh, she was born in Vietnam during the Indochine days and... And all that. So, yeah, we're really, uh, how do you call it, from the Philippines originally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you don't look Filipino to me. Yeah, my mom's Caucasian. My dad's very okay, Asian. That's... Yeah, that's why. But, yeah, she's just been multiple generations in Asia. So Right. Because the French did occupy Vietnam for a long time. Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so she was, Which is uh... why the city's so beautiful. Yeah. Right? The main <laughs> city. Um, and uh, in terms of, but if you're French-Filipino, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess... Uh, you got a bit of an American accent going on, but that yeah. can be Filipino. Yeah, well, I was born in New York. So it's, yeah, it's very, very um, displaced background, if you want to call it that. Um, I was born in New York. I was born actually during my family's exile in, in the U.S. So that's why I was born in New York. Uh, I was there and left as a baby and um, after my parents uh, uh, went their own ways uh, and grew up in Singapore. So really moved around wow. a fair bit, yeah. Um, so I grew up in Singapore, um, did uh, up to my high school, and uh, ended up doing my tertiary education in Australia. Oh, wow. So, you, so that's my roots in Australia somewhat, yeah. So you've been all around the joint. Yeah, and um, and then uh, after Australia, I, I moved to the Philippines because uh, my dad's family had relocated back there after martial law. Um, they were in exile, uh, political refugees because of Marcos era. And uh, I went there to, yeah, to work with my family in uh, Spend time with my dad there, yeah. That's after cool. My, my university here. That's the, and uh, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. 41. You look young. Thank you. you look oh, really you made young. my day. <laughs> you're really young. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. you're, you're into the the pokey game yes. or poke. I don't know. How, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you say this word? 
Poke. I mean, origi- I mean, from Hawaii, it's poke. What do you mean? It's a Hawaiian word. It's a, it's a Hawaiian a, a word. Polynesian mean, word. Yeah, basically to slice and dice, or you know that that sort of thing. Um, and uh, poke re- uh, really was a fisherman's food. It was uh, you know the fishermen go on the boats, whatever they catch, they'll cut a bit, put uh, cut a bit of fish, um, put some soy sauce, maybe eat it with rice, and that's how poke derived. And right. It's become a Hawaiian staple. Uh, is that right? It's a Hawaiian staple. Hawaiian staple, you get you get at Costco, you you know, um, supermarkets, you buy it by the pound. So it's a little different um, outside of Hawaii. But pokey originated, you know, obviously from Hawaii, and it's sold by the pound or by the kilo, you know, here. Well, let me just go, I don't understand. So if I was in Hawaii, I mean, yeah. I, I do want to talk about you in a second, but no I, worries. I, I just yeah. quickly <laughs> got to get my head around this pokey thing. Sure. So And it's origination, because that's, that's your business. I mean, yes. your business yes. is called Finn Pokey. Correct. Or Finn Pokey. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> But like, well, we'll get back to that in a second. But um, uh, the the origination, I thought everyone, I mean, I reckon everyone here in this country probably thinks it comes from Japan. But yes, <laughs> um, it's, you're saying to me that you can go in a supermarket in Hawaii and buy a poke bowl or no? No, you buy you buy poke, which is basically- um, The cut up fish. The cut up fish, right. marinated with different sauces. Already I mean, pre-marinated. Already pre-marinated. Buy it in a tub, buy, buy the weight, by weight. Right, yeah. right. And uh, you take it home, you eat it with rice or you eat it by the beach or what, you know. Right. It's just really, it, it's the Hawaiian street food, fast food. If it's you pretty call normal it. though, is it? Yeah, it's very common. I mean, it's Seriously? everywhere. And we've only had it in Australia for a few years now. Yes. Um, but in, would it be common in America or just Hawaii? Good question because um, actually it was popular, the poke bowl, as everyone knows it as nowadays, um, uh, was popularized in California where they took poke from Hawaii and, um, you know, put on a base of rice with all the other add-ons, vegetables and-, and Pickles so and shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's the poke bowl really, that's where it was popularized. And now it's become a staple in the US. It's in New York, you'd find it almost every block. Really? Um, in LA, it's every precinct, you'd find a poke bowl shop. And um, and that's where there's sort of, you know, being from, uh, spending some time in New York. Well, I know I, I left back after the Philippines, I moved back to New York. We'll get to that. But um, uh, it's become basically became a staple in the U.S. And I thought, okay, that's uh, you know something for Australia, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it's been here. For, I mean, I've seen it around for a few years, but I do recall going to Thailand, and I've been to Korea, and I've been to a few other places. And I thought to myself, I actually just thought it was an. I thought it might have been a Korean meal because yeah. there was a Korean shop there, and uh, the, the, uh, when I was in Asia, and they were. Like that's that was a big deal. That was the thing they were specializing in. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Hawaii has a lot of, I mean, it's very multicultural. There's yep. a lot of Japanese influencers, a lot of Japanese immigrants, a lot of Filipino immigrants, you know, during the Dole Plantation days as farmers. Um, and then Japanese uh, influx. There's a lot of Korean uh, representation in Hawaii. So Hawaiian cuisine in general really has a lot of Japanese influences, Korean, uh, Chinese um, so it's really a melting pot. That's why you see poke bowls with a lot of Japanese influence. You know, you have the soy the, uh, yeah. and all these Japanese ingredients and some Korean ingredients. So that's why. It's, so it's really uh, Hawaiian because Hawaii is a, it's a multicultural place. And it's really a melting pot for all these uh, different uh, cultures. And yeah. So it's, I get, so that's interesting. I, mean, I don't think my, many people know, and I'm, I'm reckoning people would be interested. There is a history to the poke bowl mm-hmm. um, because I, I can understand the part where, um, you know, the fishermen, Polynesian fishermen are going out to sea and they're catching a few fish and they decide to cut a little bit of up and eat, yeah. a little bit even on the boat. Yeah. Get that because there's yeah. no fires after it at Roar or all that sort right. of stuff. Get all that. <laughs> yeah. But then when you look at the way it is um, presented today, it's got, as you say, soy sauce, which are Asian influences. Yes. Rice, which yep. my guess is an Asian influence because sure. Polynesians don't generally eat rice. Yeah. 
they eat other starchy things. Mm-hmm, so what's happened is it's evolved over time into uh, what you see today as a poke bowl has evolved from a mix of Polynesian and Asian influences. Correct. And it's finally landed on the Australian shores. We're a little bit slow here. Now, maybe you could go to New Zealand because they're usually another five years behind us, so yeah. you probably actually set up. <laughs> they're probably not even there yeah. at this age. So I, but I, I'm a little bit fascinated um, with your background. <laughs> um, to say you're multicultural is uh, – you know, like as an understatement. <laughs> so take me back. So you're 40 years of age. Yes. Take me back to when you lived in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Do you remember being exiled as a result of the Marcos regime? You which know, was by most people don't, a lot of people would not, who listen to this would not remember what happened with the Marcos regime. Sure. What's you, going on? Uh, yeah, so sure. I mean, you know, I was born in exile, so overseas, but we definitely, I definitely did feel it. It was a, you know, big uh, conversation topic within the family. I mean, uh, it actually, the, I'll go back to how it started. Um, so my family happened to be overseas in Italy at the time, celebrating my grandfather's birthday. Um, oh, you told me your grandfather's Italian or something. Yeah, no, oh no, it just happened to be in Italy <laughs> by by chance, and um, and martial law was uh, inflicted, and uh, their passports were cancelled, and they could not return. We did have some relatives uh, left in the Philippines. So, the, sorry, the, the martial law was put on uh, nineteen seventy two, yeah. and then the, the, their passports were cancelled. Yeah, because uh, we, my grandfather and Marcos didn't see eye to eye. They were. <laughs> I guess um, was he political? Your grandfather? Uh, no, no, actually, no. He was a captain of industry in the Philippines, very prominent figure in the business, uh, you know, in the in the business sector, and um, didn't wish to collaborate with Marcos because of corruption and all that. He was a very principled man, and I respect him for that, um, and held his ground. And because he didn't want to play ball with Marcos, um, obviously uh, became. You know, uh, stateless, stateless. Yeah, so they cancel the passports. Uh, what happens then when you get your passport canceled? I mean, where do you help? Um, which country says you can live here? Correct. So obviously, uh, that was a challenge for them. Um, you know, and uh, they had some. Does that mean your passport got canceled too? I was not born yet. I was right. just. I was born during it. Uh, right. Just a few years after. Right. I was born in seventy eight, and and uh, this happened in 70, 72, 73. So they were sta- effectively stateless for a while and stuck in Italy. You know, they uh, they had some political uh, connections in France where they were able to get some uh, French status. So that helped them move around and eventually settled in the U.S. Um, in Hawaii. It's sort of like, <laughs> it's sort of like a, as a refugee. As a refugee. So they were effectively political refugees at that point. And, um, so Pre-Trump. Yeah, oh yeah, very, very pre-Trump. <laughs> um, Be more, and, difficult, more difficult now. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So... Um, Part of the families uh, settled in Hawaii. My grandfather, my grandparents, and some of my uncles and aunts were a big family. Um, I got my grandfather eight children. And uh, so my dad settled in New York. And, and is your background as a chef, or do you have a, no, a, not at all. a fishman? I mean, I mean, why would you get into pokey? Good question. I mean, um, fast forward, fast forward uh, to my time in the Philippines. I mean, I, after university, I, I moved back to the Philippines. What, what can I ask, what did you study at university? I studied marketing. In Australia? In, in, in Australia, at Bond yep. University. Right, Bond, yeah. Initially economics and transferred to marketing. So actually, anyway, uh, actually, I'll rewind. So you, you, you'll get the uh, pretense of the story. Um, so my family moved back in 1986 to rebuild what they can, and everything was sequestered. All, all their businesses, properties, real estates, bank accounts, everything. Were sequestered, so they they uh, they came back 1986 after Marcos fell, and uh, my dad and and grandfather and family just tried to pick up the pieces and put back what they could together, and they did all right. I mean, they they didn't get everything back, 
um, but enough to to rebuild, you know. So uh, that was in '86. I followed suit in 2000. Many years later, um, family was already somewhat established, and worked for my family's uh, steel business. So I worked there for a couple of years in family politics because it was a big family got in the way. And my dad said, look, you know what? Um, as much as I want you to work and help the family, uh, I think, you know, do. I know you always wanted to do something on your own. Why don't you do something your, uh, on your own? I'm like, sure. So I had learned, I mean, my first job was to clean up the factories and uh, and and um, I was in charge of, yeah, waste management and, and the scrap metal and just basically cleaning up the, the plant, you know? So I learned the scrap metal business. I, I mean, I was disposing of scrap metal and got into the scrap metal business on my own. I started with, um, you know, selling 100 metric tons a month, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not in scrap metal when it's a few cents a kilo, you know, uh, and and built that business for a few years. And then um, I became a, a corporate scrapper, if you want to call it that. I did some great projects with, you know, uh, major oil companies. Shell, I was a contractor for Raytheon Abasco at that time with defense contractors and also had a construction arm. And so we we, uh, we were, um, you know, going out into uh, rural areas, hauling scrap, demo demolishing plants and all that kind of thing until I went to a, um, and, and in the scrap metal business. It's a pretty tough business. It's a very tough business. You know, in, in, a, in, a, in a third world country like the Philippines, a poor, poorer country, um, scrap metal is, is a, metal is a pawnable item. It's like, here in Australia, we go take a diamond ring or a gold watch, go to the pawn shop, get cash. Yeah. There you could take a, a bicycle wheel, weigh it and get cash paid straight away from a junk shop. Right. So that, that was the, 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 the scale of it there. So we're doing, geez, tons and tons of it. So obviously it can be a very risky business because, you know, um, when you're traveling in rural areas and all that, I mean, people would jump on trucks or park a truck. Steal a bike wheel. Steal yeah. a bike wheel, yeah. Or whatever you know. they can get their hands on. Hands on. Well, um, I, mean, I remember when I was growing up too, too, by the way. I mean, it was a little bit like that when I was growing up too. Like if there was a bit of copper or something that was laying around the joint, people would come into the house and they'd steal it. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and yeah, especially copper in the Philippines. I mean, that's like gold, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, you know, in the provincial area. And But even if they knew, knew there was a machine with some copper inside it, but like if it was an old washing machine, there might yeah. have been a copper coil or something. Yeah. They'd knock it off. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you get a few bucks for yeah, it, you know, yeah, yeah. pay for your, pay for a no, meal. I, mean, you I know? remember it well, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, not to say that I ever got involved in it, but I do remember <laughs> it well. I, I sold a bit of copper too, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so. But it is a hard fucking business. Like it's um, uh, like it's uh, a tough guy it's business. A, it's, it's like a tough you've got guy a, like, you're, you're sort of arm wrestling all the time for a couple of cents and. Uh, Correct. You know, someone's always they're going to knock it off, steal it from here, or you got to steal it from there. Hiding or... you for it. Oh, yeah, gosh. yeah, totally. So yeah, long story short, uh, I reached a point that uh, you know my trucks got hijacked. I get calls in the middle of the night, that kind of thing. It was really, it was really unhealthy and and dangerous, and was was not me. You Just know? a shit go. Yeah, and exactly, and um, we never had that problem in Metro Manila and all that. This is just because I mean, this is a big company that wanted someone that's reliable like ourselves that could get the job done instead of the local local. Um, local shops you know so we uh come the last day and and uh you know they they, they plan an ambush for me and and um yeah mass gunmen all there stop my trucks i'm behind my guys run tell me go so i i had to um turn around hide in in the in the site which was funnily enough protected by the military but once you're out it's any man's any man's game you know and um, had to hide there and get rescued uh, by, you know, um, three SWAT teams to, to, to try to save me and get me out. So that was sort of 
that's the trans. That's I. I tell you this story because that's really the tra transitional point in my life. From <laughs> you do a fuck scrap metal. Yeah, exactly. You know, is you know my my brother in law who's a uh, you know a very successful um, restaurateur in the U S. had gotten word of it. We're very close, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You know, like come to New York. I'm gonna talk to you. At that time, I had met my wife. I mean, met my she was my girlfriend at the time, and she grew up in the states and all that. So I fly to New York, and he goes, "Look, I'm building another restaurant." Uh, why don't you come here and help me? Um, and so he interviewed me really like to see my skill set and how he could fit me in his his organization. It was an intense three-hour talk. I'll never forget this because this was really a pivotal point in my life, you know, moving into a new career or a new field for that matter. I'm, you know, industrialist for that matter and then going transitioning to hospitality. And so I helped him build um, his second restaurant. I was there for the first restaurant, but not really involved. I helped him build his second restaurant on Fifth Avenue in New York City, a very high-profile restaurant. Fig and Olive is a big group now. Um, and uh, yeah, so from there, I, I learned, he put me, again, I started cleaning the restaurants. I was at the construction sites, helping project manage um, in terms of design. Uh, he even put me to work with the uh, with the construction company to subsidize my wage, you know, as a project manager. Uh, did everything from drive the delivery truck, the commissary truck, Okay, well, I, well, I think the most important thing is from here. So, what skill did you get out of all this stuff? I learned um, learned everything in the, from ground up in the hospitality industry, from the kitchens to the construction to building a unit to operating a unit. Um, for for uh, my, the better part of my my term in in, in New York. Because I always say to, to people who are students, you go to university, sure, go and get some knowledge and some learn how to study and yeah. research and get a degree. Yes. But th that means stuff all. I mean, the, yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to have some skills. Correct. Yeah. I, I You know, university is the found, it's a foundation. It's like the vo vocabulary you yeah. learn. And, and you really, I mean, there's nothing like going out there and, and uh, learning on the fly and on, on, you know, on the streets. Yeah. You know? so, you, so the skills you got out of this is your organizational skills and, and you got Correct. confident about everything in, in the stack. So yeah. you knew about how to buy, how to construct, how to build, how to right. decorate, yes. how to market, uh, yes. you know, right from the moment someone walks in the door yes. to the moment they walk, they eat, sit down at the table and eat, order their food and walk out as well. Correct. Okay. So, the whole experience. So yeah. you got a skill in the stack of setting up a, a, a hospitality business. Mm hmm setting it up and then running it. Correct. Right. So, th and that's what, you, so you got your brother-in-law to thank for that. Yes, I do. I, so you got rescued out of the was, like, You're the mentor. He was my mentor yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in that business. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, what's good about these things too, like is what you've just explained to us is that, by the way, working in the scrap metal business and and uh, and effectively scrapping, yes. which is what you're doing <laughs> every day, those yeah. transactions, they're important because those yeah. few cents you save, yeah. They're a big deal in, in every business because yeah. it's all about the, the cost. A, it was a commodity. And I mean, it's about your cost. Yes. What is the cost of what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, you know, the price is a price. I mean, yeah. But I, what I can affect is the cost. So I can yeah, keep cost the cost down. Sold, yeah. I've got to keep my cost down. And then the margin, that, that's, your, that's your thing in between. We, we need to go to the break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about Fin Poke. What is it? I want to know what your business model is. I want to know what your point of difference is and what you're trying to achieve. So we're back with Jem Jacinto. Um, he's got an extraordinarily um, interesting and pretty complicated sort of heritage <laughs> in terms of where he comes from and what and and by the way the experiences he's had. But where we've landed is 
what his educational background was in terms of the various experiences he's had. I mean, he did some university here in Australia too, but probably his biggest educational experience is what he got out of working in the scrap metal business and then in the Philippines, and which includes being held up, by the way. <laughs> and uh, then from there, moving into America and w- learning the whole stack in terms of developing hospitality business from construction of the business, of the, of the premises, I should say, for the business and right through to running the business. But now I want to talk about what he's doing here in Australia. So his business is called Finn Poker. First thing I want to know is what does Finn mean? Where's the word? F- is it F-I-N-N or F-I-N? F-I-N-N. Right. Why Finn? Because that sounds like an Irish name. Yeah, it, it does. You know, um, coming up with a name, uh, you know, is not an easy task. I'm sure you, you, you uh, 100%. know. 100%. Yeah, you, you're no stranger to that, you know. Um, so it was a multiple family debate. Finn Bokey, you know, uh, we'll get to the background, but Finn, the name Finn, we wanted something. I couldn't, we thought of Sugar Finn, this Finn, that Finn. In the end, no one could decide between my mom, my sister, and I, and my wife. We're just like, you know, fuck it, we'll put an N at the end, call it Finn Pokey. And I said, that's it, that's all we're doing. And we went to it. And yeah, stop and it, let's just do it. Yeah, you know, so it's a play on the word Finn. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I got that yeah. um, but with the double N on the end. Yeah. But, and so, for if you're listening to this, it's F I double N in case you're looking for one of his uh, restaurants or, or, or takeaway places. So, um, you moved to the Gold Coast or to Byron? So where's your first one? How did you set this up? All right. So I was still, uh, you know, I was still in living in the States. I had that time, I'd, at that point, I'd moved to L.A. Um, I, so I've been in L.A. the last four years prior to my arrival here uh, from New York. So I'd been on vacation from L.A. visiting my mom, my sister, with, uh, with my wife. And we, you know, we were driving in uh, Byron. And I had invested in a couple of pokey joints in the Philippines through my friends operating and all that. So my wife, you know, we're driving in Byron. We saw four lease sign and Yvette's like, you know, this would be perfect for a pokey place, you know, um, one, you know, one of your pokey places. And I'm like, oh, you know, you're right. So where is it in Byron? Where um, we're on the corner of Fletcher and Lawson Street. Right. Just by the, um, under the Byron Bay Hostel. Yeah. Beach okay. Hostel. Yeah, you're on another one. Yeah. So we're right there. We opened two years ago, really. Uh, I was still living in the States. And um, so my mom and my sister operated it for the better part of the first year. And um, so what happened next? I moved here. Yeah. Um, to Sydney or to Byron? Uh, to, to Byron initially. And then sh- um, shortly after to the Gold Coast because we were building um, two more stores there. In the Gold Coast? On the Gold Coast. Yeah. Now? Correct. Yeah. Now, so now we have two stores there. We have one in um, Burley Heads, yeah. uh, James Street, High Street location, and uh, one at Pacific Fair, which is a super regional. Now, tell me about. Do you have any Sydney? We do. We just opened three months ago. So we're now oh, yeah. in the big smoke. Uh, Pitt Street Mall, Westfield. Right, okay. Floor. Westfield, okay. Yeah. So they're ex- sound like they're expensive. Byron's not cheap when it comes to Correct. renting. Yes, uh, Westfield's not. definitely not. Yes. Um, I can't speak about the Gold Coast because I don't yeah. know. But uh, <laughs> um, um, So obviously you need a lot of turnover. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not afraid of high rent because if you, the, the, it's a formula, basically. High rent should equal... Uh, high traffic, yeah, and it's up to you to to obviously attract that yeah. traffic. So first thing I look at, it's you know in this business, it's really location, 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 um, and uh, and and it's very important to be easy ease of access for people. You know, um, we we're something convenient, fast value. We need to be convenient for people and not a destination. So uh, picking a high high uh, traffic area or high as high traffic area as it gets in our markets. Um, equates to usually higher rent. Uh, so the formula, I look at the formula between, you know, um, in a high street location, we'd like to be at 10% rent over gross. 
Uh, that's the idea. That's really the rule of thumb in the industry. But that can vary. Explain that. Um, you know, you uh, what I learned from Laurent, my you know my mentor in the hospitality industry. I mean, we have to look at it as as a formula. So we obviously we have to project our our gross sales. Yep. Um, and and being and that comes with experience. You know, I mean, to really sort of pinpoint it well. Um, and and you you understand the vibe. You you study your comps around. Well, and, can we just stop there for a second? Because sure. I mean, this is an important point. Yeah. So you know you got to predict the gross sales. Yes. So in order to work out what the rent you can afford. Correct. So so you, so you're not looking at the rent and saying oh, I've got to get this gross sales. You're saying this can be my gross sales. Therefore, this is the rent I can afford. Correct. Um, what is the difference between gross sales and rent? So do you say rent should be forty percent of gross sales? Well, what do you say? What yeah, is it? Yeah, I mean, on, it, and it depends for a commercial center. Yeah. And uh, and for a commercial center and, and a high street location has a different formula. Well, give me the commercial uh, center. A commercial center, we're looking at around, we try to be around 15, maximum 15%, ideally 10%. What you mean by that is that if the, if the rent is $100,000 a year, yes. uh, sorry, if your revenue is $100,000 a year, rent is going to be $10,000 a year or $15,000 a year. What about high street? High street, uh, closer to 10. Closer to 10%. 10, yeah, 10%. 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. Yeah. So that, that's an important thing. That that, yeah. that that Obviously, that's a formula your industry uses. Yes. That's, that's a good, good to know that. And then... Um, in terms of working out what your hundred thousand is, you got to work out your prices. Correct. So, um, how do you work out your price of your product? So, uh, yeah, correct. Very, very good point. So, it's really, I mean, obviously, you have your menu and your concept and all that, and working backwards. Uh, actually, interesting. What our, our strategy coming to Australia, understanding high labor cost, we actually designed the concept from the back to the front. So, the menu. Uh, when we designed the menu, we had to, we had to keep in mind that. Um, labor is expensive here. So how do we reduce our prep? How do we reduce our labor component to still have a very high quality product and still what we want to deliver uh, and just be creative about it? So that's ve- that was a very crucial part of this whole, designing this whole operation. So we 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 looked at the menu and say, okay, well, how do we chop our carrots, for example? But, we, but sorry, but sorry, before I, before yeah. you get on, could you just, but when you're, are you saying you work backwards? So in other words, you don't say my price. I mean, if I near where you are, is a place that sells hamburgers. So yeah. let's say it's an alternative because, like you know, yeah. Byron, there's a price people can afford. Correct. After which they won't pay. Yeah. Correct. So let's say the hamburger is ten bucks for a hamburger. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And let's say your do you say oh my pokeball yeah, has, can't be more than ten. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So you have you have you know what your market can command. Yeah, yeah. You, and then you work backwards. Yeah. And then uh, and then further backwards is that then you okay, got to work your costs now. You want to you want to deliver a great product. Yep. You want to deliver uh, you know. Uh, and we'll get to our philosophy later. And, and well, because this is important because I know what your philosophy is. Yeah. Your philosophy is that you want to do, uh, you want to be able to show the uh, provenance of all your products. Correct. You want to be able to show where your products come from, and that yeah. tends to be quite expensive. So exactly, I'm tr- I'm trying to get to your margin. Correct. How do you determine yes, your margin? absolutely. So the, the next and the next two. So major, what is your pokeball price? Uh, we we okay. Around. Um, we're we're uh, averaging about fifteen ninety five to sixteen ninety five. Okay. For, and what's that? And what is that relative for the to, large size? Yeah, yeah. Is that and what's that? That's a lunch time. There a dinner time. That's a meal. Uh, we, that's that's a meal. It's it's a full meal. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a balanced meal. It'll yeah. fill you up. Right, I mean, okay. it's a lot of food. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And uh, and what would you say is relative to? I don't know. Is it pizza, hamburger? I don't know. What what else? What's what's it moves against what? Okay. So we we're definitely not a cheap. No. But we're not an expensive eat. We're a value price point right. because of the high quality ingredients we're using. The fish, and um, if I can touch on the fish, I mean we're we're only we're buying um, only certified sustainable fish. Our sashimi is grade A sashimi. Um, it's comparable to the high end restaurants, sushi restaurants. Um, and the reason we can get that is also creativity in sourcing. Going that, di- for example, now we have the volume. We go direct to the boats. 
Uh, we handle the handle the logistics ourselves. So we cut out somewhat the middleman so we can give a higher product. So you cut that, freckles out. Freckles have been cut out. Ah, freckles. <laughs> we dealt with him in the beginning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He was he was a great uh, stepping point for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Freckle very well. He's a good mate of mine. He, oh, he's, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, we know Freckle well. He knows us well. We used to get our freckles fish. Freckles is the uh, local uh, fish, fish guy up there in Byron Bay. <laughs> okay, you, cut, yeah, you, you cut, got his plug. He got yeah, his plug. You, you <laughs> cut him out. So, uh, so but, yeah. but, but but basically you go to the people he goes to. Yeah, uh, effectively. Because yeah. um, a lot of his fish is line caught. Correct. No, he has great. He has great product. Yeah. He has great product. Um, but it reached. The, it, we, you know, a turning point when we grow it to a certain yeah, size totally. that we need to. So you don't go and buy product at one place for all your shops. We actually do you because do, right. there is only one fishing company, Walker Seafood in Maluluba, that is only it's only um fishing company that's certified for our tuna, uh, yep. MSC certified, sustainable in Australia, and for swordfish. So we, uh, as far as I know. And so we, it's basically almost like a single origin coffee, if you want to look right, at it yeah, that yeah. way. Single origin fish, it's uh, the boats dock in Maluluba. They go out on these Eastern coasts here and they get the fish. They Who buys a, it for you? Uh, or do you buy it online or how's it work? Uh, no, we, I mean, it's phone call, yeah, we yeah. order the fish, you know, old school. So you ring up and say, what do you got? Yeah, uh, yeah, we, yeah we need 15 kilos, uh, today's delivery and, deliver and this it? and that. Yeah, uh, no, we handle the logistics. So yeah. we have a third party that picks up the fish, yep. cold, uh, you know, a refrigerated courier um, to- Gold Coast. To the Gold Coast and stores. To Byron. And uh, yeah, And Byron. And then uh, for Sydney, flown. Yep. So it, goes oh, so it also comes from Mooloolaba. We only get from, uh, for our swordfish and yep. our- and, uh, Your tuna. And our tuna there because they're MSC certified. Well, you better tell me what sustainable means. Sustainable- Is that a line caught? What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, these are wild caught fish, so they're not farmed. Sustainable yep. is, I mean, they have certain quotas. They're only, there's a lot of guidelines and restrictions to to um to curb over overfishing um and and keep enough stocks in the sea and and so on it's 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 a lot of depth to it yeah but the gist of it is that it's um sustainable in the sense that they're not overfishing um they're catching the right size what's the premium you got to pay um there is there is a slight premium i mean their quality they're very specific in quality this particular uh fishing group um it, it, there is a there is a there is obviously uh, i would say um, ten to fifteen percent, uh, if pay. not, if not a little more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, do you, do you, but you're not going to necessarily get that when you sell it. Um, no, I mean we're selling it price at, point. At, the, at not... the price the market will pay. Correct. Yeah. We, so without knowing the story. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So because we... you're not a destination. No, we're not. Yeah. People are ringing up saying, "I want. I've come on, dear. We got to go to." Uh, Finn's uh, poke because I hope uh, it would be a destination. No, but, I mean, but, <laughs> I know, but, but yeah. like you know, right now, no. Yeah. Correct. So like, we're not saying, let's go, we're happy to pay 20 bucks for the poke bowl, yeah. more than I would ordinarily pay anywhere else yeah. because this guy's got the sustainable stuff. So yeah. what you're doing is you're crushing your margin a little bit. Correct. Yeah, okay. So And we're so, making it up in other ways. Okay, tell me, that's what I know. Yeah. How do you make it up? So obviously by buying direct and handling logistics, yep. that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, but also in our labor cost. So we're very labor efficient. The biggest factor here in the hospitality industry is labor. So do they they cut up for biggest you? You have to cut up yourself. Uh, no, uh, they they process it for us. The fishing oh, so company, it's, pro it's loin and all that. But we, furthermore, we still have to cut into cubes. So you got to do okay. You got to do the dicing and slicing. Correct, and all exactly. That sort of stuff, the pokey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, correct. Yeah, we do that component. Before ourselves. does it does that get done? Before it gets to the shop? Uh, no, no, it gets done at the shop. Yep. Um, on the fly. So, and are these shops franchises or your? No, your we own? we are we are all uh, you own family all. Uh, friends and family. I mean. We're a corp company owned, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Fam family group owned. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so been... and and then how do you train everybody up to get to be able to do it at the same time, the same process, same? You, you know, it's what we've done is again designed it to be relatively simple. It's really about the ingredients um, and the freshness of ingredients 
that really resonates in in the product. Um, it we do have obviously systems that we've put on paper and and um, in the stores. We have our temperature our, every uh, our temperature checks. You know those safety standards and handling standards because we're handling raw fish. Yeah. So we we take that very seriously, and um, and we have log books and this and that. Uh, so all the processes are on paper. Um, but it's not an overly complicated uh, process for the store itself. So what do you have? Like, do you have, like, I mean, I, I sort of can envision a poker bowl, yeah. but, like, do you have uh, it all set up? Like, uh, there's, the, there's the poker, you arrive there, cut that up first yeah. when you first get in the morning because yeah. we're going to sell, you know, we reckon it's Thursday, we'll sure. sell lots of these. Um, and then there's the rice, you're yeah. doing the rice, and there's yeah. the pickles and every, all yeah. the other things you add to it. Yeah. Do you have it all just all set up? Yeah, or? so it's all set up on our stations. Yeah. Um, and it's all about assembly. So it's all prep. It's very prep heavy. Yep. Um, so they come in the morning, they prep, or in the in the slower hours of the day, they, they'll top up their prep um, and then put it in their stations and then build the bowl as we order. Most Pokeball places- They're not pre- They're not pre- They're not pre-made, no. Yeah, it's right. all aluminium and and all done upon order. And what do you sell? What do you- What do you- how do you give them out? Do you give them out in a plastic bowl or a No, bowl? so a part of our brand ethos, again, uh, you know, we're all about sustainability, being wholesome. We have zero, uh, we, we are 99% plastic free in our single-use uh, single packaging. I say 99% because there is not a 100% solution just yet for our industry, but we're, we're striving hard towards it. Uh, so we're very, we're very focused on the environment. We're very focused on sustainability. Um, and that's our point of difference as well with the high quality you know, and, and also, when I know you asked, you wanted to know about our point of difference. Um, I hate using this term, chef-driven. It's very loosely used in, in our industry, but we do take it seriously. And it is uh, chef-driven in that fact that, for example, our sauces, we blend all our sauces. We don't buy a, a bottle uh, ponzu dressing. We make our own ponzu dressing. We use uh, Japanese, fresh Japanese yuzu juice from Japan. It is a bit costly. But, you know, it's high quality ingredients. We, we make these little extra efforts. So therefore, you know, from my from growing, uh, from learning the industry and the fine dining backgrounds, how can we bring these elements in a more affordable and uh, and a value price point, which is our category, which I like to call the fast casual, where you have these elements of finer dining, high quality ingredients, but at a value price point and accessible. But can I ask you this a minute? Because I, mean, I get that. I mean, yeah. but... but does the average punter who buys your poker ball down there is in Pitt Street, did you say? Uh, yeah, we have in Sydney, we're in yeah. Pitt Street Mall, yeah. Do, do, they, do, they, do they have such a refined taste buds that they would get all that or, or, or is it they, I mean, I don't know. Very good question. Very, very good question. I know where you're getting at. And, and, um, I, mean, and there, I mean, do you need to do it? Yeah. Or cool. are you just doing it because you believe in it? I, I do it because I believe in it, but there's two, I believe there's two types of consumers. There's, there, you know, there's the savvier ones and the ones that aren't. So um, the, the unsavvy consumer goes to a place and goes, oh, this tastes good, but they don't know why. And then the savvy guy goes, oh, it tastes really good. And I, I can see the difference in what they do. Uh, so, But Australians, are we like that? I mean, I don't know. Well, there's a, there's a two types everywhere, really. Yeah. But yeah, no. So we really tried to tell our story. I, we produced, uh, I produced a, uh, a four-minute uh, short film documentary on our sustainability efforts. Where is that on YouTube or something? Uh, that's on our YouTube, on our website, and our IGTV. But if I'm buying it at Pitt Street, I'm yeah. not, I don't want to be a pain in the ass, no, but if I'm yeah. buying Pit Pitt Street, I yeah. don't even know you go to YouTube. Or is it running yeah. whilst I'm standing there? Or how's it work? Yeah, we have screens there. We have, um, the, actually the documentary is not yet on the screens, but we do we do promote, I mean, we do promote our labels. Like, for example, we have a partnership with uh, Take Three for the Sea. So we've got, um, to promote that partnership, we got uh, KOLs, like influencers, bloggers, 
um, in, in our communities uh, that are substantial in our communities to create their own signature bowl with their own ingredients, with, with our ingredients, and promote it through their channels. Right. A portion of the proceeds go to Take Three for the Sea to help clean up the oceans. Um, for example, say so you got, uh, I don't know, who's somebody, like you got a, a, um, you, you'd have an influencer who's got like you know, 20,000 you know, 100, followers. 100,000, 50,000 yeah, followers. Yeah. We also do, you know, small, I mean, uh, 20,000, but we, we study them and as long as they're, they're part of our community and because we're trying to be more community-based and expand on that as well. Um, so it's very, they're very localized following. So it's very strategic in terms of the, the people that we, we selected. Um, and they created their own bowls and a portion of the proceeds go to Take Three for the Sea. Um, they promote the the great cause that Take Three is working hard on. Um, they promote our product, sure. I mean, we're a business. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're doing something good. So, you know, our philosophy, again, sustainability, being eco-friendly, but I believe in business, you know, we, we, it should be feel good. We need, we need to, uh, we need to give back somehow. And some people, it could be in children's charity. Our focus currently right now is on the environment and sustainability. No, I get that. But it's just a big story to tell. It's, yes, it, there's, it is. A, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yes. And it's hard to put down into three or four words. Correct. And you got to, and it just takes a long time to build it. What you're hoping is that there's a rising, there's a, there's a swell of, you know, people coming through who are naturally interested in this sort of stuff. Um, and I, I guess that yeah. is the case. I mean, yeah. The question for me is how long it takes for everybody to be really get their, wrap their head around it and do they care? Yeah. Do they really, really care? What's, yeah. what's your experience? Do you, I um, mean, apart from your apart from your acolytes and your um, in your communities that you already dig into, mm -hmm. um, what about the general population? Are they starting to care? Uh, you know what? Yes. Uh, it, it's still not 100% there and it's far from it. But we do get, hey, thank you for using sustainable. We're, we're happy you have no plastic in your, your, your packaging. I would like that, for yeah. example. I mean, I'm in here, I'm drinking a bloody coffee. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> believe I got it. I just, I was thinking to myself as you were talking, I, got a, I went and got, bought a coffee and a takeaway yeah. cup. But like, but you've but, got your, you've got your bottle yeah, right no, there. Yeah, totally. I and mean, that, that for me is a new, it's, yeah. this is like, you're doing know, your part. Three months worth Baby old. Steps. Yeah, but well, I just become, starting to become aware of this stuff. And, uh, or focused on is probably a better way of putting mm -hmm. it. Um, and, but I still make basic mistakes because I just get on automatic. And most people, I would say most people are on automatic. The, the bulk of the population are not aware. Mm -hmm. they're, on, they're on automatic. Maybe the youngers, the yeah. younger ones, the millennials, maybe they're yeah. a bit different. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. Yeah, the, it's actually, it's really a, it's a, it's a melting pot. Uh, it, it's still, I mean, to, you're right. Our biggest challenge is preaching our message. Yeah, yeah. And how do we get it in the three or four words? Which, um, which is really, that's our, that's a constant battle. We're trying every angle and like, you know, through our, our promote, you know, through our take three campaign, through our, um, our video, our sustainable It's video. just going to take time. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of time. And I, Correct. I mean, I, I think, I mean, obviously without all that anyway, the businesses yeah. are going okay. You've been yeah. able to expand. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your future wish? Where, where so, do you want to go? Um, I mean, right now we're currently constructing our fifth store, yep. um, which is a new concept, Daily Greens, um, that we're launching in Paddington in Sydney. Yep. Um, you know, still wholesome, uh, traceable, very traceable. You'll know where your tomatoes are from and all that, for example, uh, which, you know, which, uh, area and farm in, in Australia. Um, so again, healthy, wholesome, traceable, uh, high quality ingredients in, in again, a value price point. Um, something unique for that area because everything's relatively expensive. But do you make money out of each of the shops? So th there's providing good income for your family? Correct. You Correct. Family. Currently, yeah, we're You've achieved that bit. Your families are working together. Yes. You've got that bit. I mean, who's the 
poor bugger had to move down to Sydney from Byron. I mean, uh, that's the... Uh, yeah, actually, I'm here half the week. Yeah, and so you've done all that and you're now opening up a new concept store. Yes. What What's the end game here? I mean, do you... I'd, do like, you I'd like to... I'd like, I mean, the end game, like anybody, is to, to grow to a certain point, either sell... Someone what come taps you on the shoulder says, we'd like to buy this because that's, you've that's you got, you got enough scale. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's the idea. You know, like in, as a businessman, that's really where where we'd like to be, you know, down the road. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. Um, and then on to the next big thing. Uh but yeah, that's where we go. I mean, my target, my my immediate target, I'd like to be at fifteen stores. Um, we're we're gonna have seven by the end of the year if everything knock on wood, everything goes well. Um, so we're we're getting in a there. couple more years. You might get there. Yeah, exactly. So, so. What, what one? And I guess in the I'm in a time's always a killer here. But yeah. um, I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me a question. But what would you like to ask me then? Actually, I had I had a question planned until our conversation. Now that changed. It's how do um, initially was because we are very we'd like to be commu- we're very community focused or trying to be at least. Uh, my first my original question was was. Um, how can we improve on our efforts to to be part of the community in our business? Because um, we are localized in certain in, in most of our stores. Uh, really, how? I mean, how do you build your store within your local community? Community, yeah, and that outreach, like in Byron Bay, like, like in Byron Bay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had a second question now because of what? Well, you group. asked me the one that you want to. Which one do you want? Answer, okay. Uh, community, I mean, that's very important. But oh, that's now you, that's a, a hard question. Um, how do we deliver our message in three or four words, like you said, yeah. or our elevator pitch about our sustainable efforts and all that? That's because that's what we've been well, trying. Well, I don't know the answer to it, but like, because I, 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 I don't know enough about your industry, but yeah. I think the the thing here is you you just said it in, in two words, elevator pitch. I mean, mm. is, is interesting, you know, you just gave me two words, elevator pitch, which, to, which actually describes exactly what I was trying to say in three or four words. Yeah. I'm saying you need to have, if you can't, pitch your story in one minute, yeah. then you can't pitch a story. True. So I think what you need to do is need to build up a pitch that it just rolls off your tongue and it's within 60 seconds is done, it's finished. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, you know, and if you can't do it now, then I don't think you're, you, you know, you're not ready to tell the story. And for me, I often go to these things, and I've judged quite a few of them, where people have to come and describe their business concept and or their business model, more importantly, in one minute, in 60 seconds. And we, we award, you know, we give awards away. And what what you're generally speaking has, we have investors sitting around at these things, and off the back of a one-minute pitch, investors decide to invest. And I do this with a mob called Investable. So I think what – I don't know the answer to your question. I, I don't know how to develop your elevated pitch. Well, sorry, I do know how to develop one. I don't know what it is. Because I, I have done enough enough. I'd have to ask you a thousand questions about your business, but what you need to do over the next three months is develop that one minute pitch. You need to be able. To, if I said to you right now, I'm going to give you one minute. Mm-hmm. Give me a you give me your uh, pitch. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Because um, you've asked me, I'm asking you. Okay. You're the one who knows business. Finpoki is about sustainability, uh, f- being uh, friendly to the environment, um, providing high quality uh, ingredients at a value price point. For what? Fish? For, I mean, uh, for our pokeballs, uh, for our food. Yeah, but do you think that sells me? No, that didn't. You put me on the spot. <laughs> well, that's right, because you put me on the spot, but I'm putting, yeah, I'm putting it back to you because you yeah. know your industry better than you're, I do. You're right. No, I, I mean, I'm and, very... and what the first question I'll be saying to you is, yeah. who are you pitching to? Yeah. Well, just our, our consumer. I mean, okay, our but... consumer. But you know what? You're right. It's it's a hard one. and It is a hard one because it's, it's a hard quite one, complex. Yeah. Yes. 
You're not selling um, mobile phones, no. which yeah. everybody's yeah. sort of really familiar with, and we're all yeah. very clear on what we want yeah. out of a mobile phone. And you can, right. you can hit me on with those yeah. things that I'm in price, you know, like uh, tactile, yeah. um, functionality, mm-hmm. uh, you know, reach, et cetera. So whereas what you're, you're talking about is, is I'm trying to buy food or am I trying to buy sustainability? Yeah. What, okay. what am I trying to do? You're, you're, I mean, well, you're being responsible by, you know, you're, you're doing your little bit, your little bit um, by buying from us versus the others. Uh, How many people in your business? Uh, currently we have uh, 35 employees. Okay. Do you have a get together? Yeah, I mean, uh, our team, yeah. I'm, I'm in the I know everybody. You have a 35 people get together at once a year or half a year? Uh, yeah, well, Christmas, you know, our Christmas get yeah. together. But I'm in the stores. I, okay, I answer no, all the stores no, every no, day. No, 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 I, I want to, yeah. that, that's not what I'm asking. Yeah, sorry. Uh, why don't you, before Christmas, when you get everyone together, let's say you put everyone together for three hours before the Christmas party. Yeah. And you hold a little hackathon and get everyone to tell you what the pitch is. Because the pitch is going to be different in Byron Bay to what it is in Spit Street to what it's going to be in Paddington, what it's going to be in the Gold Coast. Because you've got different audiences everywhere. So you need to have a pitch that settles into everybody's needs. And why wouldn't you ask from the person who sits there cutting the thing up yeah. um, to the person who stands there talking to the customer to the person who actually does the ordering um, and, and to you and your family as well, why wouldn't you do, do, have a little hackathon to develop your pitch off the back of what everybody in your business has? 35 inputs, that's a pretty good uh, focus that's group. That's true. And these are the people who talk to customers every single day. They know what the customers want and maybe get a couple of influencers in grab yeah. an influencer or two, or maybe get someone from one of the uh, communities where you donate money to, to mm-hmm. come in and sit in the hackathon. Because I think your pitch is a community pitch. Mm-hmm. It's a pitch to to a the members of your community. It's not a pitch to the bloke who doesn't give a shit. Correct. Okay, because you're never going to convince you're, you're, you're him. You hit it right on the spot, yeah. I mean, and uh, or who's looking for a quick pizza for $12.95 or a quick hamburger just to fill a gap. Yeah. Because they've been on the piss the night before and they're yeah. hungry, right? <laughs> it's a pitch to a certain community of people, but they're a complex, this is a complex community. Yes. So, therefore, you need to work really, and, and the pitch will evolve over time. Sure. But you need to start off with one. And then I'd be having that, what I would do is once that pitch is determined, mm-hmm. I would be getting... I would do a 60-second video and I'd be putting on my website and everywhere else, Instagram and all those other places you, you put your pitch and I'd have you introducing it and then I'd have vignettes of everybody in your 35 people all doing five seconds worth. That's a great idea. You, you've hit it right on and the And maybe spot. they're standing there makes sense. cutting something up with a chef's hat on or whatever yeah. they're doing. If yeah. you, I don't know if they wear uniforms or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, you say, and it's about sustainability and someone says, yeah, and we're always really careful where we, where, you know, we know where our stuff comes from. That's some, could be a young girl, a young boy, you know, you know, like a variety of levels. Great. You know, you've got your millennials. I'm sure you've got millennials working for you. I'm sure you've got older people who are now starting to think about this sort of stuff. Yeah. And just put everybody in the community into the pitch. Yeah. I mean, that's how the pitch would look to me, but I don't know what's in it because, you no, need, you, you need to hold a hackathon. All the ideas are all flowing through. You you hit it right on the spot. Hackathon, and I would make sure. Makes sense. And it's not going to be your pitch. That's why they pay you the big bucks. It should be your pitch. <laughs> this should not be your pitch. This should that's be right. your business's pitch, that's which right. means everybody's in it. That's and right. And that pitch should be, you should be thinking about this pitch to go idea. on your website everywhere. That I love it. I love it. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, that's Thank why, you. That's why, I, that's that's why, why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> 
Why? Where's the money? No, I know, I'm joking, I'm I, I, joking, I'm I know, I hear that all the time, but... <laughs> no, but, 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 but no, no you're, uh, you're spot... Not, everything you've said makes 100% sense, and I, I, I really appreciate it. Because we've done, we've done that in a four-minute doco, but not uh, up to this extent. And uh, it's... Yeah, but, but that's a doco. That's an education piece. Correct, yeah. This is a pitch. Yes, yes. And yes. I, I want to see... If I'm looking at a pitch, I want to see interest, interesting stuff. And I want to see individuals who work for you who are actually on the ground telling me, and it might even be one of your fishermen. Yeah. It might even be a photo. It could be a little vignette from a fisherman who's just, just jumped off the boat and he's walking there with a big tuna or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's like get all the characters in there. And it could That's be Aussies great. and it could be, uh, you know, all sorts of people. It could be someone who's all sorts of nationalities, whatever forms part of your end product. That's your pitch. And that's what I want to, I want to look at that. I don't want to look at you telling me. Got you. Because you're going to preach. Yes. Because, you you know, you're in love with it. Yes. And yeah, you're, you're, you're passionate, passionate about, about it. it. Yeah, correct. I want to see what they've all got to say. You, that's an amazing idea. Maybe a customer or two. Amazing idea. I'm going to call the, the the video guys right away and work it Build up it. a 10-minute video and then just reduce it, shrink it, shrink it, shrink yeah. it until you got it in a minute. It's an amazing idea. Mate, amazing idea. Jem Jacinta, <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> Thank that, that's you. A cool, that was a cool conversation. Thank I really you. enjoyed no, it. I appreciate, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great idea. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm glad this is recorded because I, I, didn't, I didn't take notes. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.